0: welcome to the people performance podcast my name is renee vincelli i'm a former corporate executive in banking former project management director mother of three turned consultant and coach for those who want to grow their individual team and organizational capability each week i deliver an episode focused on my two favorite topics people and performance thank you for spending some time with me today Hello, and welcome to the People Performance Podcast. Uh, I have a treat for all of you today. Um, Lee Lambert is with us. Lee Lambert is an expert in the field of project management, a field that I know and love um, and came from for, for really the past five, six years of my career uh, in corporate America. Um, Lee is an expert in project management. He's a PMP. He's a PMI fellow. Um, he is the CEO of Lambert Consulting Group, Lee has logged 50 plus years of project management experience and is considered to be one of the world's thought leaders on project management methods and how they can be used to create and sustain value, um, create leadership, create collaboration, and drive results for organizations. He is one of only 70 in the world to receive the honor of being a PMI fellow. He's the past president of the Central Ohio PMI and was one of the founders of the Project Management Institute's Project Management Professional Credential, the PMP. His book, Project Management, The Common Sense Approach, is a bestseller in the field. I was so excited to have Leon today. Um, A lot of what he's going to talk about resonates very very deeply with me um, and, and what the brand of this show is all about people and performance. A lot of what he'll say um, is interesting and reflective and maybe surprising in some ways. Um, I got a lot out of this conversation personally. I think you will too, whether you are a project manager, whether you are a, someone who leads project managers. I know a lot of my audience um, on LinkedIn is in this field. Um, if you are a leader of an organization or of a team, I think you'll find this interesting, particularly if you have a PMO or project managers in your organization or folks who lead big projects. Um, so I think you'll get a lot out of the show. And, and frankly, I think it's also just an interesting retrospective on this this field in this profession. So take a listen. Hope you enjoy it. Um, the episode is not is divided into two parts, given the length of it, so we'll talk about it today, and then we'll have some time next week on the podcast uh, for the second part of my conversation with Lee Lambert. All right, Lee Lambert, thank you so much for being with us today. I have been excited to have this conversation um, ever since we scheduled it, so I'm looking forward to our discussion today. Um, quite a few things that I want to get into with you. Um, I, you've got a rich history in this realm of project management, so I want to talk about about that for sure, and that's probably where we'll start. Also want to talk about project management competencies and skills, some of the softer, more human elements of project management that I think are um, maybe not discussed enough when we talk about this field and this profession. So we'll talk about that, talk about change management a bit, agile, and then importantly, the role of leadership in execution and in projects and change implementation. But where I thought I would start, um, just given your rich history, like I said, in this field, is give us a sense of your career in project management, the history of the field, and really maybe a, a little bit of a history on how the project management professional certification came to be.
1: Well, I'd be happy to do that, Renee. I, uh, I've had an opportunity to talk about this a little bit in the last couple of weeks it seemed to be a topic on people's minds. So I'm. I'm always excited to talk about how this all happened and where it's going and so on. So let me give you a little capsule. I'm an engineering designer by education uh, and uh, started my work out in that field uh, in Chicago Bridge and Iron and later on at Lawrence National Laboratory. Uh, But quite by accident, I discovered that Project management was the thing that I wanted to do. I didn't know why at that time. I just knew it sounded like a good field to me. So I, by accident, uh, was volunteered to be a, the lead trainer for General Electric Company in the implementation of an earned value management system uh, back in 1973 for the Clinch River Breeder Reactor Project. And so I had the responsibility of training 300 engineers to pass the Department of Energy uh, test to see that we had a validated system. So that's how I started. I got started in it, and I began to realize what a what a fabulous career to be able to have technical capabilities and yet have to meld those with people skills in order to be effective. And and so from that point, I just started to. Focused my attention on uh, being a project manager, and I, uh, I I felt like that was the right fit. Well, so as I got more and more into it, I began to realize that I could have a bigger impact on organizations by training people how to be effective project managers. I can only do the work of one person. If I can train ten people to do what I do, then we've got a value add that's uh, pretty much incomparable. So I started teaching that way. I I founded a couple of PMOs, which I I didn't know they were PMOs at the time. They called them something else, but uh, I call it management information support. And uh, out of that, I began to realize that with the accredited skills that project managers have, they have a major role to play in an organization's success or not. And so in 1981, I was transferred to Columbus, Ohio, where I, I live now. I came here in 1981 on a three-year temporary assignment, and so I'm still here. Uh,
0: <laughs> Three years turned and into forty.
1: Job, yeah, exactly. My job <laughs> is to was to establish and help uh, build a new division for the organization I work for, uh, called the Project Management Division. Mm. And so I, uh, I played a major role in the establishment of that division. It was there. To basically manage large government projects hundreds of millions and even billions of dollars in projects and so uh, in that process i again uh, relegated myself to not doing because i've i've had a saying i live by and that is project managers don't do work they get work done through others mm-hmm. and so i spent uh, the next three years working on that well in the meantime The PMI, uh, which I had joined in 1978 when I looked like a project management career was in my future, hadn't done anything with it. Well, in 81, PMI wrote to my general manager requesting my uh, availability to contribute to the development of the project management professional certification program. And so because we were a project manager, he thought that'd be good press for us. And certainly be a good experience for me. So he allowed me to do that. And from that time on, I've sort of been gotten to know as Mr. PMP. They, <laughs> there were five of us that started the program, and and three are dead, and one's retired. So I'm the last one standing right now. Uh, and I'll, I'll probably be here till it's over. Uh, but what happened with that was that. To be honest with you, when we started that the, the PMP process, it wasn't really, it wasn't really about professional certification. It was about having a certification program that would entice other people to join the organization. Mm-hmm. So it was really about increasing membership. We had mm-hmm. interviewed several other major associations and they recommended some kind of a certification because that was attractive to members and therefore they would join. So that's the way we set it up. We set up if you're a PMI member, then you qualify with a few other restrictions to take the exam to become a PMP. Uh, and that's the way we ran it for the first uh, 10 years, 11 years actually. Uh, in 1996, we had a total of 6,000 PMPs. Mm -hmm. And after 11 years, we had 6,000. That didn't sound like very many, and in fact, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. So we started to analyze what that was all about. And what we found was the attractiveness of the certification went far beyond project management people. Uh, MBAs all kinds of people were interested in this qualification and so we dropped the requirement to be a PMI member to sit for the exam and the rest is history we now have over 1.2 million PMPs uh, with uh, more coming in every day I still write a letter of congratulations almost every day to the people who passed their exam and on any given day, I could be writing 15, 20 of those. So the rate of people interest in it in it is still significant. Uh, last year, we tested in one geographical case, I won't say where, we we, we tested 2,000 people the same day in one group. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and the very high percentage of those people passed. So the interest is still there. Uh, I think we have a lot of other certifications right now in PMI, but I think the, the, the driving force remains uh, the PMP, and I think it'll stay that way for a long period of time. Uh, but I, uh, I'm trying to keep that uh, focus on the fact that it's, it's the only recognized certification for project managers that I'm aware of. And it really does give people a leg up on their job search, on their ability to find employment that separates you from the rest of the project managers, if you have that.
0: Yeah, I agree. That makes a lot of sense. And I I notice on LinkedIn in particular, you do send those those congratulatory notes, which I'm sure folks appreciate. And I think it's great that you do that. Um, And you're right. You know, When you think about the project management professional certification as it relates to jobs and hiring and finding employment as a project manager. I don't think I've ever seen a job description for a project manager um, that doesn't at least say it's preferred, right? So a lot of times it'll say it's required. Yeah. Many times it'll say it's preferred, but certainly it, is, it has become the, um, the thing that people are looking for in terms of a credential around project management. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about And, you know, as somebody who has led a couple of different PMO functions at a couple of different organizations, and someone who has more of a bent towards um, organizational development, people development, leadership development, my focus and my approach has been to almost exclusively focus on coaching and developing the human skills the, the, you know, so-called softer skills of leading projects, initiatives, and change efforts. You know, I love what you said about project managers don't do work. They get work done through others. Um, Getting work done through others requires a different skill set than just this, this PMP certification and what that can bring to you. And so I'm curious, you know, as, like I said, somebody that's focused on these things, you know, what is your perspective on the competencies, the skills, that really good project managers should focus on developing while they're getting that PMP, once they already have it, um, you know, what are some of those things you think are important?
1: Well, I think there's, there's a couple of them that have paid off big for me. First of all, I think you have to enter into this business knowing that there's going to be a great responsibility to develop relationships. I think relationships are what get work done. You can have all the, tools and techniques you want, but if you don't build relationships with those people that are going to be asked to deliver, it's going to be much more difficult. So I, I spend, when I was training, I used to come in an hour early and anybody that showed up early, I spent time getting to know them, Mm -hmm. getting to know what they're about, what their hobbies were, what the things they enjoyed doing. And once I had that level of uh, knowledge, and I can apply that, apply that in my training concepts. I can link in their personal interests with how it would relate in a project management setting. I think that uh, communications has got to be probably one of the keys. I think it's beautiful that project management delivers a lot of information, but if you can't communicate it in an effective way, it's it's a waste of effort. So we spend a lot of time on that. I'm not a Toastmasters graduate. I've never taking a class in presentations, but I I I just know that the people that I know that are taking Toastmasters as a as a course of study for them, so to speak, uh, are fabulous communicators. Uh, and, and so I've I've recommended, in fact, I've just recommended to some pretty high level people within the organization that they sponsor Toastmasters to be implemented in a project management environment. So I think that's important. The other one that I felt was key to my success was uh, conflict management. How, how to manage conflict? Because it's it's inevitable, uh, and when you're dealing with humans, uh, there's going to be disagreement. There's no question about that. I mean, we have biases that that we can't overcome that easily, and so what we have to do is we have to remind ourselves that at the end of the day, we're here to get some work done. And if you and I have a conflict, that needs to be resolved. Mm-hmm. And so it's not a win-lose situation. that's not what conflict management is. It's basically coming to some kind of an agreement that both parties can support in, in response to getting a particular job done. So those are, those are kind of the key things to me. Now the beauty of project management, as I said, is its product, and some people think project management produces projects as it, it doesn't mm-hmm. project management produces information and that mm-hmm. information mm-hmm. is used in the decision making process, which then the soft skills kick in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we've got to make sure that we develop that. Now, just now, this seems so, so late in the game to me, but just now we've started to see tremendous emphasis on soft skills as a, as if they were something new, <laughs> right. that We had just come across. Uh, and so I, I'm I'm starting to see a lot more effort put into let's let's deal with how we can capitalize on project management outputs to get the outcome that we want for the project we're working on. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. You know, I'll just I'll tell you one of the things I've seen a lot, and I'm curious your experience with this is that folks will whether it be folks that are seeking a project manager to, to, to work on a project or folks that have a project management background, there's sort of this over-connection to maybe the PMP certification from the perspective of, I have that, so therefore, I'm good. I'm good to go. I can do this well. What's your reaction to that as somebody who has you know been around for so long and seen so much and helped build the PMP and, and, and orchestrate that? What's your view on that, that view that, you know, if I just get that PMP, I'll be good to go?
1: Uh, you, you, you might be surprised but I do have an
0: opinion on this. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, uh,
1: I tell my people that I'm working with the PMP uh, that they need to remember that the PMP, earning the PMP is the beginning, not the end. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the problem, in fact, this has been a huge problem, and you may have run into it yourself is that a lot of people went after the PMP for the very reason you've cited to be able to say, I have the PMP, so therefore I am a good project manager. Not true at all. Mm-hmm. Not, not true at all. And what when I used to give a lot of speeches to large groups, I would always ask them, how many have a PMP? And oh, all the hands shoot up because that's, that's the audience I talk to. And then I'd ask them, how many of you work with the PMP who isn't? And a lot of hands went up there, too. And that confirms that people who say they're a PMP, all that means is you pass the test. That's yeah. all it means. And until you perform on the job, until your projects get, come in on time or under budget, uh, it, you, all you've got's a PMP. And I wish we could. Get people to understand that I did a panel up in Calgary once about three or four years ago, where they they wanted to deal with this hiring practices, and they had some very high level people out of industry and one from the city of Calgary, Uh, and several of them said that their hiring criteria was PMP. If you have Mm. a PMP, you may have a chance at, but no PMP, no job. Mm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, I don't know if you understand that, but that's. We're missing a hell of a lot of good PMPs, uh, good project managers, simply Mm -hmm. because they've chosen not to sit for an exam. Uh, I know some people that are either one of them, you you were taught by one of them in your schooling, uh, who I offered a a chance to become involved in the (laughs) PMP at the very beginning. And he basically said, go away, little boy. He said, I don't <laughs> need no stinking acronym after my name to prove I'm a project manager. And, and he's right. said, Sadly, he's right. Yeah. But so when you see 1.2 million people at the PMP, I, I'm just guessing it's a rough number. but I'd say there's probably hundreds of thousands that aren't good project yeah. managers, but they're good test takers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think you nailed it. It makes a lot of sense. I've seen a lot of that myself, you know, having run a couple of PMOs, I, I myself do not have the PMP, but you know, I've got other things. I've got the, got experience and I've done a lot of different things that I think make me qualified enough to, to do that well. Right. And so I, I totally agree with you. And I think this notion of leadership of people, I think, and the human skills are, Equally, if not more important than any credential someone could have, and so it's interesting to get that perspective um, from you as well. so somewhat related, you know i I'm curious your perspective on how you've seen organizations themselves evolve in their perspective on project management as a discipline and the value of project managers as employees. Um, my observation has been that the, a project management function or project managers, they're looked at in a lot of different ways, in a, in a, a lot of different um, capacities, depending on the organization or the specific individuals you're talking about. Sometimes they're viewed as administrative. Sometimes they're viewed as really strategic thought partners. Sometimes they're viewed as sort of added help, added resources when teams can't get things done. And so what's, what has been your experience over the years with how organizations have seen this profession, these teams, um, project management, and how that has, how that's changed over time and gotten better.
1: Yeah, it, it has gotten better, but it's been a kind of an arduous route that's been taken because when they first started uh, with project management being a recognized entity, it was still basically a hobby. It was what you did in your spare time. Uh-huh. Nobody was actually called the project manager. You got a task to do and they called you the manager. So therefore, that's what you did. But then when PMI began to show its strength in 1969, when they formed their organization, people began to seriously think about the fact that maybe this is an actual profession. Maybe this is a, a field that we will actually have a distinct category that we can fall into now i still have arguments with people today that's very this much later we still argue that project management is not a profession Mm -hmm. so uh the fact of the matter is it is a profession now what's happened in the evolution is the reason many organizations adopted project management It's because all their projects were failing and they started to realize, is there there something we can do to do a better job of project management? Well, that's how it started. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then as those projects began to be done better, faster, cheaper, other people would say, well, heck, look what they're doing. We, We can do that, too. And it started to mushroom. So it came to a peak for me. In 1993, when Lou Gerstner came in to take over IBM, they were facing an $8 billion loss under Jack Akers, the leadership of Jack. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Gerstner came in, and uh, I had a chance to do a lot of training with him at the time, but he came in and he said something like this, project management is going to be the thread that holds this organization together. He says, we have too many projects. We have too few people. We're going to have to prioritize and do only the ones that add the most value. And so everybody sort of laughed at that. That's not the IBM way. We do all things for all people. And he said, no, no. And he got his executives together and he said, here's where the train's going. If you want to jump on board, help yourself. If you don't, there's the door. (laughs) And he lost seven senior level executives because they weren't going to go along with it. Well, he named uh, Carol Wright, uh, unfortunately passed away, uh, as the leader of the PMO. Uh, enterprise project management for them, uh, and she set about making sure that all projects were being managed as a project, mm-hmm. and so uh, it, it turns out he eliminated almost 60% of the projects. Mm -hmm. And so he said, instead of doing 100%, we're going to do 40% really well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And he did it from that standpoint because he knew he had no background in project management. He came from American Express and the tobacco companies. He had nothing. No knowledge of project management, per se. Uh, and three years later, I, IBM was profitable again. Mm-hmm. And so I, I saw it happen with him. Now, when it happens with him, then it's going to happen with Microsoft, which you did. Then it's going to happen with Motorola, which it did. And pretty soon, there's this groundswell of everybody going, dang, if, if mm-hmm. IBM thinks this is a good deal, we're going to have to do it. Now, in the beginning, it's still they, they still kind of, it was more like dressing than it was real out reality. Yeah. But as we got in more into the projects and they started to realize, well, wow, this is really a complex issue that needs all this kind of attention. And so all of a sudden now you got full-time project managers. That's, that's their rate of pay is based on that category. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's going to continue to grow. Unfortunately, the PMO thing kind of got in the way for a little bit. Uh, because uh, it sort of morphed into a Gestapo. It was, it was like, basically, all they did was produce templates and then tell you, by golly, you fill those templates out.
0: Oh, Lee, so, you, you've, uh, it, you've been a fly on the little,
1: wall. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, it went through some rough spots, but I think it's started to settle down now. Uh, and I think most organizations have, have a PMO in some form or another, Mm-hmm. Uh, it reports in different places. It reports at different levels. But functionality is kind of the same. Uh, and so I think I think the PMO helped project management uh, after it settled in and all the power struggles were over.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it was interesting hearing you just describe um, your experience with IBM. Um, what I heard you say is really, if I summed it up, that prioritization of all the things you want to do that are really important in an organization and and prioritizing what's most important is really key. Um, I think that's something a lot of big organizations struggle with. Um, And you get sort of that diminishing returns uh, when you try to do too much um, and you get, you spread your resources like peanut butter across everything. It sort of becomes, um, you know, like I said, diminishing returns in the, in the end of it. So that's one cultural element that i I heard you talk about is this sort of re- -relentless prioritization what other um, What other examples of cultural elements would you point to where um, strong execution of change, project management is received well um where Where have you seen that happen well? What kind of cultures does that happen in
1: Well the culture where that has its best results is a culture that's not afraid to take action. I think what, what I've seen in uh, corporate settings is because there's so much political ambiance of, of the organization and everybody, I mean, we've tried to eliminate these silos for years and mm-hmm. years. We, we, they're not eliminated. They're still there. And each silo has a political hierarchy who thinks all of their work is the most important work in the organization. Mm-hmm. So now you've got all these silos fighting for shared resources, because that's one of the benefits of Matrix, right? We don't have to have fully funded people just sitting around in case we need them. And so we started assigning these people to projects. And if the projects aren't prioritized, and I don't want to beat that to death, but I think it's one of the major issues in project management. If it's not uh, prioritized correctly, what we get is a lot of stuff done halfway instead of the top three done really, really well. And so the culture says, if I could use the information that's generated by a project management process to take early decisions, to recognize... Where this project's going before it gets there, uh, then I think we could start to have an effect. And I think that the the emphasis over the last year or two on change management, mm-hmm. I, I hope will bring this to a head uh, to realize that any changes you make, the sooner you make them, the more effective they're likely to be. So you can't you can't wait till you're too far in to make a change because you can't recapture that time. And so I think it's something that has to happen. Uh, it, it's uh, it's being focused on now. I see it everywhere. I kind of try to keep track of what's in vogue at any particular time. Right now, change management's a big thing. Uh, and but the, the bad news is, too many of the executives read Spencer Johnson's book on who moved my cheese. Uh, and and in that book, they bought thousands of management senior level bought thousands of hand them out to all the people. Hand them out. This is a great book. Read it. Well, I can summarize the book really fast. Uh, it, it basically, here's what the book says. Shut up and do it. That's what the book said. It says <laughs> we're going to make changes. You don't need to know why. You don't need to know what the effect is. You just do what you're told. And so, of course, obviously, man, going to love it. Uh, but I think it's important people have the, the knowledge of why are we making change? If we don't make change, what will the impact be? And I think that's where it's going right now. And that comes into this whole risk management area. There's so many uh, uh, components of project management that lend itself to change management uh, that I think it's going to eventually take hold.
0: I hope you enjoyed our first part of our conversation with Lee Lambert. Join us next week to hear Lee's comments on Agile, which is all the rage right now, as well as his perspectives on leadership and the important role of leadership and execution. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please give us a review over on Apple Podcasts, tell a friend about the show, If there is work that you believe we can do together in the realm of people, in performance, perhaps related to projects, project management, improving your PMO or the success of your projects to be more people-oriented, more performance-oriented, please contact me at reneevincelli.com. That's my website. Or you can reach me at at reneevincelli.com or via LinkedIn. So that is all for now, folks. Remember, people are greater than performance. People are the creators of performance, and people come before performance. I hope you have a great week.